All right. Hey, y'all. It is grab your wallet time. Uh, we've been having fun doing this show. We love you guys for supporting us. Those of you that don't support us, patreon.com is where you go give us the money to get us to these people or beers to these people so we can interview them. And John's got some t-shirts. So that's on stealthisbeer.com slash merch. Check that out. Either way, thanks for playing along. Can't believe we get away with this every week, Monday at five. about beer over beer by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much. All right. Hey, y'all. It's five o'clock on Monday and we are stealing beer. I am Augie Carton and I'm John Hall. Hey, John Hall. How How are are you, buddy? You Been know, a minute. Uh, it has. Even it our has. usually snarky side texts with all the marshmallow brewers in the world haven't been super active in the last couple of weeks. So I feel I've, like been, I've got a I've got a I took, dirt I took, hall contact. I took a couple of days off and then uh we had from social media from from all sort of you know human interaction, which was really nice. And then uh uh dove right into we didn't plan our, our summer vacation properly. So when we came back from a couple of days off. Uh, the kids' school was off for a week, so uh, I've been full-time dadding, which is nice. which is awesome, and I yeah, love every dadding, second of it. Dadding is the best thing there is. Yeah. Um. So keep doing that. It's yeah. funny. I sensed it without without you telling me, and I sensed. It. I was like, I am not having my usual levels of call contact. There, there so. were things that came my way where I was like, oh, I should, I should probably <laughs> check in with Augie on something, <laughs> Augie. and then, uh, you know. This episode of Bluey was called Procrastination. So yeah. it's, yeah. Man, I love you that. It's a great show. So I show? think it's one of the best shows on television. Yes. What show? Bluey. What's Bluey? It's a Disney, or it's an Australian show that is on Disney Plus, And it's about a bunch of blue Australian he- uh, healer dogs, I guess, or shepherds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they live in a city and they, they do fun things. A dog city? Yeah, it's a dog city in Australia. Do they have bodegas? Uh, they they do actually have bodegas. I'm gonna have to get involved. It's a it's right, it's, it's a it really out. sweet show. I've just anyway. finished Bad Batch, so I need a Disney Plus cartoon to check. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. Why don't Why don't we introduce Ben Neidhart? Did I say that right, Ben? Neidhart. Yeah. Neidhart. Right. Neidhart. So, so so like the famous wrestling family, like Jim the Anvil. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. So Justin told me you came from a famous family, and I'm just assuming it's the Nighthearts of pro wrestling. Is there? Do you guys do anything else, like say in beer, or is it just the wrestling side? No, I'm. I'm not even related to the wrestling. <laughs> Darn it! I wanted to meet him finally. And yeah. How are you, man? Thanks for joining us. Uh, the joke I'm making, guys, is Ben is from OEC, which you know because we get their beers on the show quite a bit. Quite a um, bit. And like them, I don't think we've ever not liked one, have we? Justin, check the notes. Is there one where we're like, this one's weird? I think we largely... Hall wasn't, Hall wasn't totally into the 
cool shit black lager last time, but I I, I, I got a note of diastole on it. Okay. Oh, well, that'll happen sometimes. It's a cool shit beer. Um, well, it's a cool shit beer and it's a black lager. Um, but but otherwise right, so very well received. Yes. So sorry, Ben, I wasn't setting you up there. Clearly, I like whatever that is um but, <laughs> right. but yeah. Hall hates, he wasn't setting so you up he was Hall, setting me Hall up hates, Hall hates your beers so let's just talk to you and me and we'll just ignore him since he's a, <laughs> he's a luddite cool. um here we go uh thanks for joining us sean hall anyway um so let's get into it so be united is one of the two importers of my lifetime in beer that have focused and worked to get kind of the classic European corners covered here in America. Is that a fair statement, Ben? Yeah. I mean, when my dad started in, in, in 95, that, that was basically after wrestling for after wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, unfortunately, his, his career in wrestling didn't take off. So. <laughs> Never did as good as cousin, yeah, cousin Anvil. Anyway, but so yeah, so seriously, but you guys, unlike everybody else who like, kind of imported, you know, a big ass company's line plus a couple here and there, really focused on, let's make sure we've got something from this corner and this corner of Belgium, this corner and this corner of France, this corner and this corner of Germany, like much more like I would think of as a small wine importer, right? Like we need something from every region of Italy. We need something from every region of, you know, does that make sense? Is that my yeah, right I mean, read on that? When he, when he started, he basically looked at Michael Jackson, not the singer, but yep. remember the famous we, 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 we know who Jackson is. Yeah. yeah. And so savvy audience. he kind of went through the world classics and kind of tried to collect a, a number of those. And that's how it got started. And then from then on, it kind of took on a life of its own. All right, cool. Now in your lifetime, how old are you when this endeavor starts and how much, you know, how is growing up in that, that environment just in general, because I think it'd be neat. And then what part of you decided to go brew instead of be a lawyer that's excellent at import tort cases or something? The, um, I was, I think I was about 15, 14 to 15 when it kind of started. Um, but I, he was even in beer before then he worked for a, a really big brewery importing company in the U S and it was doing very poorly. So he decided to buy that importing company and then he changed it over time. Interesting. So I've been in beer for a long time. I, uh, the brand is, uh, back then was called Holsten and that was, okay. actually, I think that's owned by like Carlsberg. Now it got sold back and forth a couple of times as they do over there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, actually I went to school starting, uh, and biomedical, Interesting. But then I actually graduated out, out as computer science. Interesting. Because mm -hmm. biomedical, I mean, obviously, if there's 10 million biomedical majors in the world, only, you know, not percent join us in brewing. But in brewers, that's actually not an uncommon background to see, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, you take a lot of biology and chemistry and that it's a good background for that. Right on. Yeah. Um, so now let's step up to when you're done with college, do you get involved 
in the import business at all before you get no, to OEC? Can... Was there a path to OEC? How did how do you get to OEC from college? I, I kind of got there backwards. I mean, I left college and I I didn't really want to just be a programmer. So I ended up in like the advert in, in the advertising industry in New York City coming out of college. Interesting. And I worked for a big company for a year out of there. And then I realized I really don't like working for big companies. <laughs> <laughs> so then I left. And then I just started to do freelance work, you know, web design and uh, coding and just for like a number of small companies. And then I, my dad ended up being one of my clients. And then I eventually ended up slowly getting more and more sucked into it. And eventually I kind of fell into it. <laughs> That's awesome. That is super awesome. So so let's talk about because how long has OEC existed at this point? Uh, seven years. It started in 2014. Yeah. Right on. And and there's been like a progression there, right? Like didn't it didn't it originally start with like so so Kennedy, I need your focus here. Um there's some beers we get here that are like classic German lagers that were lagered on a boat and then canned over here. That's all B United, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. All right. So and we love we've tended to love those. That's been of those, kind yeah. of the yeah. most impressive technology thing we've seen, you know, like, yeah. oh, that that makes sense. And boy, does it work. But a huge advocate you, for smoked beers. Yeah. But Ben, when you started, it was kind of that kind of thing, right? Like, hey, let's take your beers over here and let's through a lens on in your project. You know, what I mean, let's let's make them something different, unique to this space situation. Let's talk about that. Like how much of that is their fermentation over there slash your fermentation on the way here slash stuff you brewed here. How did that blending phase start? Oh, we kind of, we started in 2011 with, and we realized we had to do something with our draft business. So for a long time, the way the company did draft is we had a keg pool, all of our own kegs. And we sent them all over the world and the empty kegs would get filled by the breweries. But so we ended up with like a total hodgepodge kind of collection of kegs because every country kind of uses different heads. Like there's nothing yeah. standardized in beer here. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so, and that was kind of a nightmare, you know? And then you, so you try and track these thousands of empty kegs and you're sending them all over the world, but then you got to get it to the right brewery, but you got to also make sure that it, the right head goes to the right brewery, you know? It was, a, it was a total mess. So we switched the concept to doing the filling here and instead building these big, we call them tank containers that uh, actually get lifted onto the boats and then get lifted onto the trucks and they drive around and go pick up the beer instead in four different compartments. And then it comes back here and then we fill the beer here. So it's basically like four maturation vessels glued together, four 30-barrel tanks. <laughs> and it's refrigerated the whole time. And so it's a reefer unit. And that's the concept we came up with. And then we started filling here. So that's kind of how I initially got, start, initially got started more in, in beer from the quality control on the packaging side. Neat. Yeah. And it's uh, that... It makes a lot of sense to me that that path would lead you to where OEC now is, but I don't think you could have planned that path. You know what I mean? Like, like if that's the part you fall into and that's where your focus is, especially on, you know, transfer 
and this weird, amazing kind of transfer, not like from one end of the brewery to the other, but from one continent to another through a boat, that you're going to get kind of minutia focused on infection points and things like that, right? Yeah, I was curious just about like trial and error, uh, if if it's worked well since the beginning or if there's things that you've had to tweak to get it to where everybody's happy, including like the end user, the, the customer. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you learn a lot as you go. I mean, also what we feel now in terms of like the, the product spectrum to what we filled at the beginning, it's, it's wildly different. Um, so, you know, you can, you can get the beers in different states. So, so if we get a beer from, let's say, one of our German producers, it might be all finished and carbonated in the tank and it gets here. And then you basically just have to control that the carbonation level is good and that the beer is clean and everything is fine. And then you can fill it. Or then from like the Belgian producers and the Italian ones, when we used to do more of them, the beer came in flat. So we'd actually have to do a separate re-fermentation here where you dose it with the sugar that they want and then the yeast that they want. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's, let's digress for a second to get the glass one. Um, am I right here justin that for the first time since we all got kind of dynamited to the four winds and we no longer sit together this is the first time every single person on the show has a can of the beer we're gonna taste that's right except for me because i said it all to you guys that's hilarious <laughs> that is hilarious thank you, you. Are- you know, yeah. 2020, 2021 Justin is like the multiverse <laughs> Justin. It's not better. It's not better. It's I don't know if so. Your guys, kids what are if all, your guys kids Justin are all younger sent it than to mine. Also himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but but it's not 2021 Justin is not better or worse than 2020 Justin. It's just a completely parallel timeline and totally different experiences. In, in fairness, though, I think like this is a good reason for brewers to really start making five packs. Yeah, just our show. <laughs> our show is the catalyst. And the minute you do that, Justin will only book pairs. So the guests have to split. My, like, my I'm gonna mail you. I'm gonna mail you cans. You pour half a can out, and then mail the other half to your partner. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's talk about glass one. So what brings us together on Steal This Beer is a candid conversation about beer, what it is, and what it's doing, not what we thought it would be or what we were told it would do. Uh, to facilitate that, John and I drink blind out of black glasses. We um, we are. Justin has obscured by wrapping in foil today's cans and ship them to Ben, Cass, myself, and Hall. And I believe we're all drinking them blind. I am. Um, so it's funny on these these Saturday morning recordings, weather's always a context, because I guess we're not together and we're not in a stale bar, and I'm just sitting in my living room talking to you guys looking out the windows. But look, we've mostly hit for a lot of these really pretty Saturdays. And today I am on this... Like, you know, it's like stormy, but not raining, like gray, heavy wind. Everything's soaked from rain last night. And we are in this, you know, just blah, best plan. Best plan today is to watch some Marvel movies kind of day. And Justin has opened, I think, with the perfect lager for today. We stick with the Justin lager opening tradition. You hope so. But man, that little bit of sweetness and grapey ferment here. 
really fucking jives with what I'm looking out the window at. Yeah. It, weather-wise, it, it, it looks like it's a late fall day. You know, I mean, all the leaves are still on the trees and everything, but yeah. like there's that nice little chill in the air. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the humidity that's been around, you know, uh, I saw you got some storms last night. We got some pretty nasty storms last night. Yeah, we got well. and, uh, Trees um, fell. Trees fell on my neighbor's oh, house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we have a tree is, in uh, a neighbor's house. That's, but anyway, uh, that's not today. Today is just bleh. right. Um, but this particular lager, because uh, it has that Christmas, but it also has a lot of that sweetness to it. There's like a touch of like, like caramel on the back end of it. Like it's making me think like Oktoberfest. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, it's absolutely. You know, yeah. It's absolutely. If it's not a Martin. But I like, but I it's like your, somebody's doppelbach. Your grapey note as well, yeah. because there is a little bit of that purplish fruit. Yeah. Uh, that crystal 60 plus lager yeast yeah. flavor. You know what I mean? Like that's always grapey to me. Six years of this show now, every time I'm like, I get something grapey. It's always in September with Oktoberfests. But we have two other people who were drinking. Yeah, yeah. Right well, now, I wanted so. to first I want to check in on Ben. Ben, where in the world are you? What's the weather there? Are you on the same kind of day? I'm in Connecticut. I mean, it's not windy. It's actually pretty still and it's kind of muggy and overcast. Okay. So what's this beer doing for you? For me? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like you say, it's a little bit maltier. I, I get a little bit of like the kind of candy, candied apple kind of thing. Caramel apple, right? Yeah. Right. And then I don't think it's too strong. Maybe six, six and a half. Makes sense. Yeah, I hope. Super clean finish though, right guys? Yeah. Like anything that attacks with that much malt these days, I expect to stick around. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it, it lingers a bit, but it's not laying there. Is that fair? Cass, what do you got, baby? Very fair. Um, yeah, I agree with everything uh, that is said. It is the perfect beer for the gloomy day that we have here in Jersey. <laughs> it is malty. I really, really want this to be higher in ABV and be a Bach. This would have crossed oh. my fingers for here. Um, I don't think you're going to get what you want, but yeah, no, I, think, I, I, I like I, where your mind's going today, though. I think so. I, I know Justin is smart enough not to have sent us a Be United beer. But if Be United covers a classic German house that does a famous Martzen, I'd be like, oh, Justin, that's against the rules. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're drinking somebody's Oktoberfest. Before before we we do the reveal, though, I'm curious, though, Ben, from the Be United standpoint of because Oktoberfests are made, you know, typically, you know, six, eight weeks beforehand um, with shipping and everything. Are you able to get authentic? Oktoberfests over here, like in time for when we all want to be drinking them in September. Yeah, I mean, his, historically, they're actually made a lot earlier than that. Like, I think a shortened production cycle is six, six, six to eight weeks. But uh, yeah, it should be brewed in March. That's what the March yeah. implies, right? It's yeah. it's in March for September. Come on. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been doing, you know, we do the 1810, the original Hofzeit beer that comes from Hofstetten in Austria. We've been doing that a long time. And this year we're actually adding another one. Uh, we're adding the, the, the Plank, the Fest beer from them coming oh, out of Bavaria. So, but these we're bringing in all through the tank container, like so that we don't have to worry about bottle dates or anything in terms of like, 
you know, hitting that timing. So it's already gotten picked up a little while ago there. The, everything in, in terms of uh, shipping right now is backed up a bit. So, but I think they'll be in by about the 10th of September. So we'll package them right up. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what I've said. Like the other thing I, I, I do say hope this is an Oktoberfest though, for all the conversation. <laughs> no, I, this now. Yeah. You know, I hope it's other half's newest triple. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But um, that would be amazing because that would totally be my brain shutting down all thought for what I want. But um, before we do the reveal, the last thing I want to say about it, because Ben just put me back in the mind because of like when, when we have found not the OEC beers, but the B United import beers that have done that, that, you know, 430s glued together lagering travel. There's been a amazing kind of lagered quality to those flavors and i feel like this beer is in that realm like it really could be a march brewed martzen that was held properly cold for a very long time and then packaged you know what i mean and mm. and this tastes like a fresh version of it does that make sense to you there hall yeah i'll go along with that all right cool then we all agree since you and i will be at um Bierstadt in the next 12 days I look forward, and the I look, creek don't rise. Yeah. I look forward to uh, a lot of these ah. flavors in our faces. Who so somebody open the can? What is it? I just did. Sierra Nevada. This is their oh. Oktoberfest. Amber Martson is what I they're calling. I think the first it. time they put it in cans. They usually do just bottles. Yeah. yeah. Didn't they do cans last year? I don't think so. I think it was only now, wait. Don't they pick a German person, a German brewery? every season to do it with they They were for a couple of years but they haven't they didn't last year and i don't think they they obviously didn't this year no this one do we know if this came from north carolina um i think we actually i bought it in new york city so i think we usually get the stuff from chico um i don't know you can look at the bottom there might be a code on the bottom of the can that says it just says chico mills river i'm pretty sure it's uh chico in new york city for some reason maybe it's easier to ship and it was packaged in July. That's awesome. It, this might actually be. I mean, there's an M on here. So, so maybe that, that might actually Mills, be Mills River. That might be Mills River. I, I I don't I don't know. I'm not so totally familiar Kennedy, with you their were saying can something about the Kennedy. You were saying something about the partnership. No, I was just saying they usually do a collaboration. But I think yeah, I think Hull's right. The last two years. I'm looking at the website about this beer and there's no mention of a collaborator or anything. So I think this is just them, uh, you know, making their, their beer domestically. They know what they're doing without a traditional German brewer. I fucking love it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go buy a case of this now. Fucking Grossman. I mean, Jesus. And it's, it's 5.5% ABV. So not, I'm going to buy two cases of this. Ben, you nailed that. Ben got that right. He said it was low. And I, I, <laughs> yeah, but that's five and a half to six is a fair perceptible level. Um, yeah, just take just take the win, Ben. Yeah, and I guess and I guess Cass nailed it. I guess Cass nailed it when he said I want it to be bigger. All right, so so we've talked about Be United and their process and given a feel for what this, you know, it, it's funny. It's like when people say, "Well, Carton's a big brewery," and then you point out to them that the biggest brewery in New Jersey makes nine million barrels of Bud Light a year and i make six thousand barrels a of 300 skews a year but be united is top shelf of a of a level of importer right you guys are 
if there's a large, medium, and small importer, you guys are the biggest small or the dead center or middle, right? That's I that's kind of the platform yeah, that OEC jumps out of. Because they're all private businesses, so right. But yeah, but you would you guys disagree with me that that's the feel? So so that's the diving board you jump off of when you start brewing OEC, right? Sorry, I, can you rephrase the question? So what I'm saying is when you decide to do OEC, when that becomes your project, mm -hmm. you're jumping from this. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I don't want to confuse it, but you guys are definitely not a giant importer, but you're definitely not a small boutique importer. You are a fair-sized, big exposure, kind of lots going on in your catalog importer, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're like, I think, medium-sized for like an importer. Yeah. That's fair, but you know what I mean. I don't want. It's not like you're importing one guy's stuff. You have a lot of exposure in your lifetime, and you bring that to start OEC. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So, and like I like I hinted at, but we didn't get very far down. When OEC first started, it was not as much a brewery as a blendery, if you will, kind of idea, right? When did you actually start mashing in? End of 2013. Okay, so you did like two years of the the packaging blendery mix, you know, mixing, and now you're brewing your own in 2013. So that's now eight years. How's my math? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we officially but, opened the doors in June of 2014, but we started brewing before then because you got to okay. have years. So <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously. So so let's talk about that. You guys are known for. Do you only do? Um, Mixed ferment or wild ferment or, you know what I mean, non-sack ferments. But we've kind of, we've kind of moved on and we, we do some more things now. We, we do some lagers, uh, open fermented going through the cool ship because that's the system that we have for the lagers. And then um, we do a number of oak, oak fermented or oak log, lagered lagers. And then the, the rest for the most part is sour. And then we'll do a couple like, big crazy barley wines that are interesting <laughs> fun In interesting how yeah they're, what do you do for barley wine they're not so much adjunct based or so they're but they're like they're they're more like solera system style but they have a touch of acidity to them but they end up like 16 percent or so so it's oh, cool i think it's quite different than like the normal kind of barley wine that's why i consider them interesting like sure. one it, like, it, it, is a lot of that because of the beers that you guys are bringing in? Like it, 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 when I think about a lot of the, the, you know, the traditional breweries that you've worked with, are, are some of those an influence still on what you're trying to make? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, you, you get ideas from it, you're influenced by it, but you also can't really compete with, with yourself either, you know? So like it forces us to be creative in different ways. I mean, we kind of started, more as a sour beer brewery and as a blendery because we also couldn't just compete with a number of our breweries that we import as well. Right. So we yeah. kind of learned how to, how to work it as, as an element together. That's actually an interesting point. So off the top of your head, is there any relationship you feel was diminished by this process for you or one that grew because all of a sudden you had experience to talk on a brewer's level with these guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think both. Okay. And, then, and then after we opened, there were also a lot of market changes. So like 
a number of the a number of breweries we did a collaborations with and we worked together to develop new items and so forth so that kind of brought us more together i think a couple maybe a couple breweries initially were a bit hesitant about it and then and then the market as such has changed a lot i mean our portfolio from what we what we were bringing in in 2013 to what we mostly bring in now on the united side is it's it's like night and day it's dramatically different oh interesting so so now that you've been doing it i guess fermenting for nine years selling for eight what along the way has drawn you most like what 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 project were were you like oh that was that was a ton of fun like which which one was like you know what i mean which one was most rewarding for your soul as as oec hello i i guess it's a good question because to a certain degree i try and do new projects every year mhm you know i mean if you're if you i've been in, i've been in beer theoretically now what 16 years now Okay. 15 years, you know, you have to keep your interest. So you, it's constantly changing. I mean, if, if, if I look back, I, I do think the initial path of doing the, the blending and the more complicated things, I, th I, I think sour beer production is a, is a really interesting process because it's a very natural preservation process. Like most people, you know, they just talk about, oh, I like a sour beer or I don't like sour beer or drinking sour beer, but the actual process and making sour beer and what it takes to make a good one and how nature just creates a beer that can preserve itself for, I mean, <laughs> years at a time, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's fun to, it's fun as you phase through projects. And I imagine you even have more to draw on than I do, but when, when you've got a barrel going a certain way, that you didn't expect and you check in with people who've been there before even on things as silly as milk the funk on facebook or amongst other brewer friends that you have and like well don't throw it out yet wait three months and check in again i've had that happen and it gets here and you're like ooh, and then somehow the beer fixes itself in the cask and you're like oh wow he was right amazing you know what i mean yeah, I mean, I you know, usually you're, you we use the term brewmaster, right, for someone who brews. But like when you're making sour beer, you're not really a master of the process in like how you're just like forcing it in one direction. It doesn't really go like that. It's more like maybe coaching a bit, right. you know, you put, you put it in the barrel, you make sure the conditions are right and so forth and so forth. And then you check on it. But then at the end, you're, you, you know, you got to pull the end result back together. It's not like you just you know just start on a process and say hey i'm going to make this and then it, in a linear fashion it gets there that's not how it works yeah absolutely i can tell you my you know you, i i or at least when i'm doing that kind of stuff we brew multiple multiple barrels hoping for multiple multiple different things you can recombine well and then every now and then you find a barrel where you're like no that's too perfect to fuck with that stays aside and that becomes its own thing and then you're kind of bummed because you've lost what you expected to be one of your mixing components on a five or 10 ingredient scale. You know what I mean? Yep, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's fun. All right, we should get to beer too. We're talking too much about sour beer, not drinking sour beer. Kennedy, you monster. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with you. Why, why am I a monster? What is this? 
You gave me sour soy sauce. Because no, <laughs> no, no. This is you know what this is, right? I, I, I. This can only be one beer in the world. Yeah. Unless, unless Justin somehow got one of the components of Utopias before it got put in that big ass <laughs> barrel. This is Rodenbach. It, it if if it's not, no, I'm... it's clearly Rodenbach. It okay. tastes like tobacco spit. Um, soy sauce, acidity, raspberry candy. <laughs> I, I thought the can would throw you guys off, but obviously not. You, you, you How could this it. throw us off? My question is: Is it Grand Cru? No, it's not. Like, Grand do, no. do they have a sub level? Because I've only think I've had Grand Cru in whichever one they put a lady's name on. I don't think I've ever had Stock Rodenbach. I think mm. it's just the regular ass. Room. Well, let's just open the fucking can. We know yeah. what it is. There's a, yeah. Right. Is this, it, is this, it this might as well be Sierra Nevada. Yeah, Pale. it's Rodenbach. It's yeah. Rodenbach. <laughs> yeah, but see, but see, here's the thing, though. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, when we've had that on the show, has flummoxed us. Because Sierra past. Nevada this... doesn't start at the complete end of the spectrum. It has places to go. Rodenbach. Rodenbach classic. Rodenbach can't get more sour, Belgian more sour ale. Refreshing. <laughs> and what's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. We didn't get to get your opinions before. I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah, Ben, give us tasting <laughs> wow, notes on, on Rodenbach. Yeah. Yeah. Think of Rodenbach as a sour work. maker. What's up? I mean, I, I do get, you know, I get that can, that uh, caramel apple malt base again in there. Mm. I, I mean, now you get, you know, the acidity that, that kind of washes it away and the other stuff that you kind of talked about. But it seems like the malt base isn't actually that far off from the Oktoberfest Amber Merson kind of malt. I can see that for sure, except maybe like a touch of B or something, yeah. but a um, little bit of figginess to it. But so what's funny is the, like I said, the only other thought I had, which I guess should have clued me in, is that it was a constituent of Utopias. And I guess what it is is a constituent of Grand Cru, right? So yeah. that would be why it tasted like, you know, two thirds of a flavor I know well. Um, but we should do our job. Where does this make sense in your drinking life, John Hall, and then Ben, and then Cass? This, I, honestly, this is always been for me. You know, bright sunny days. This is really, yeah. This is not one of those. It, it, the immediate thought would be like, okay, like let's be sitting in a Belgian cafe with well-worn wood tables and like that kind of thing, and you know, going back and forth. But there's something about the 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 brightness of the acidity like the tartness in this beer um and that raspberry note that always makes me think of spring and there's something about sitting in the backyard or you know being on a picnic or somewhere um that comes to mind with this particular beer and i think it's light it's refreshing i, I what's i mean it's five percent abv you know and this in a mm -hmm. you know what a you know, this is a pint can right now. Like, this is awesome. Like, I did can... you look at the can? It's such a funny can, knowing what it is and what we as drinkers have tried to make Rodenbach be in the past. Like, it looks like it might be something they made for Rutgers, and it's in this <laughs> it white does have can. The scarlet, it does have the scarlet <laughs> it's a white R on can there. with a giant scarlet R, and it's just white, black, and red. Uh, listen, please don't disparage to... Rodenbach by comparing it to Rutgers. But it's... hey, hey, Rutgers is Oof. the greatest state university of New Jersey. Um, I mean, it's one of them. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest one of the official state universities in New Jersey. Right. When it comes um, to New Brunswick, nobody yeah. <laughs> does it better than Rutgers. Um, if you if you had Johnson and Johnson funding, you could definitely be a C student. Um, 
but anyway, let's get back to it. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't know. I, I don't yeah, know. No, I want, I, I want to drink beer. this in spring. I want to drink this in spring and I want to drink this all the time, but there's something about warm weather with this particular one. Cause it also kind of messes with the census as well. It's not where you think it's going to fit in. And then it just kind of lets your mind wander a little bit. I, I, I dig this beer a lot. What about you, Ben? Where, where would you drink this beer? Where does this fit your palate experience? I mean, I think it's very light drinking. I kind of agree. I mean, I think on a warmer day, it's very refreshing, actually. Like, I don't think it's it's tough enough to stand up to, like, those kind of colder, rainier days. Like, you're probably not in the mood for that. Well, but I think, I, you know, I, I could see it going great, you know, also if you're just, like, at a seafood shack. <laughs> and, you know, you get some fry, fried fish with it and some fish and chips. I think, you know, this is awesome with that. Yeah, that that yeah. I think could be fun. That yeah, could be fun, for sure. Cass, Cass, where are you drinking this? this oh, that, son was, of bitch? that was beautiful. Now I want some fried fish. Are um, you just pouring half of it into your bong? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm I'm having this with some with some cheese and salami. You know, get the afternoon started with a little charcuterie, something light. This uh, is um this is the beer for that. I don't necessarily need a hot or a cold day for it. I mean, yeah. I haven't had this beer in a while, but damn i don't think I've ever are you jealous that you don't can this particular beer uh is there professional envy that exists and so um eh, not really it's actually the imperial pint 1.9 ounces you know what's funny is you guys have been in hall you've made a good case for where this fits in your drinking life and i think the reason I can't, or my head didn't go there naturally is because, you know, beers like barn beer just fill that spot for me better than this. I mean, if, it, if it's a hot light day and we're outside drinking something with some sour tinge to it, for me, I think, and now that you've said it, it totally makes sense. And now I'm going to get some cans of this and try to figure it out on Labor Day weekend. Uh-huh. But you know what I mean? Like for me, if I'm thinking like, oh, it's a lovely day. Let's have something sour. I'm just grabbing, you know, one, one of your beers. No, no. Barn beer. Evan's beer. Okay. I mean, obviously I like my beer better, but that's because <laughs> I made it. But you know what I mean? Like I did. I actually did a night last Saturday where I just drank back and forth. Evan beer, I'll give you Evan beer, I'll give you all from the sour collection. And it was a lovely night. Like it's we're lucky these days around the, here. The morning. Not as lovely. Uh, the morning but... is actually the best part. But uh, so, so Ben, let's talk about that. We've we've talked too much. We've run out of time, so we got to wind down. But let's talk about your progression with OEC and your your style moves from, I guess, sours actually something like this through the sours we've been having on the show and into this oak aged lager production you've been doing. Has that been a progression? kind of guided by market or is that progression guided by your feelings at the moment for what you need to be drinking? You know what I mean? No, we kind of, you know, we kind of did it because we think thought it would be interesting to do. Yeah, well, it's a good enough reason. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because we, we have a, like our food or lagers, you know, it's, it's chilled, but what's, what's interesting. It was like, it, it was a medium toast, uh, Oak lager, uh, Oak fooder an issue when we got it. And when you get into that project, you realize it takes about a good, 
year to like soften the fooder up with beer. And I think right. we're kind of at a point now where it's like three years old, where it's at a really nice place. And it imparts a really nice character to the beers. Like initially, like it just, you just get too much wood out of it, no matter what you try and do, no matter the timing or however you do. But right now it really creates interesting flavors. I think it brings out the maltiness. It softens the hop character. Usually when we do a fooder lager, we have to up the IBUs by at least four or so. Interesting. Yeah. And just because of what the vanilla is going to take off perception wise or because of what the time is going to take off? Maybe, you know, it's kind of hard to tell what happens. I mean, you know, initially I thought maybe the oak would perhaps make the beer seem more bitter, but it mm -hmm. actually does the opposite in our case. I don't know if that's specific to our fooder or if that's just in general, if you do that with lager, but I feel like it really brings out the malt character. It softens the body of the beer a bit. And then it brings down the, uh, the uh, bitterness perception. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, no doubt about it. Uh, all right. So, hey, Kennedy, my man. My man. What's up? <clears throat> uh, you you, you, you know what part of the show we're at? Uh, we we kind of got a letter. We, we did a couple episodes with uh, Dave Infante uh, about the Brewdog stuff he was working on. And we got some feedback from that. Uh, some people who have purchased into it. Uh, I'm going to read this one just because they submitted it. They don't have a whole lot to say, but we can talk about it. Um, this is from Josh. He says, great show always, but enjoyed the one about BrewDog especially. I own one share from a relatively early launch in the UK. My rationale was that it came with 5% off every beer I bought from them. And I've spent far more than 125 pounds at brew dog bars over the years since then uh he doesn't have anything else to say other than that that he's a he's a he's a all right so he got his equity money punk. all right yeah, that's all right yeah but i think that's i think that's one of the things dave was hinting at that that those first rounds weren't ridiculous promises they were you'll own this amount of the company theoretically you'll be able to sell there was a point where they could sell and then there were some perks. And then in these later rounds, as they've made bigger and bigger and more ridiculous cash grabs, even those perks haven't been seen through. Like if you're a United States purchaser of the, you know, not worth the paper, it's written on stock we were talking about, there's one Brewdog pub in America? Uh, yeah, I think Columbus, Ohio. Well, yeah, there's so, one in Indianapolis as well. Oh, okay. Okay. But so maybe if you're. It, in one and of those there might cities, be others. I don't know. Maybe if you're in one of those cities and you get your 5% off and you drink that much of their beer, absolutely that makes sense. But I think, you know, the unrealized perks beyond that were what undermined it. And I think it's just a different thing. Aren't there Brewdog pubs? Like when you go to Copenhagen, you realize how many pubs Mickler has in Copenhagen. You realize that a 5% off discount in Copenhagen would make you, would be, you know what I mean? It would be great. Like I think Brewdogs represented like that in Great Britain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, a couple in London and most of the major cities. Right. So, so, so that is a, but again, that was my thing where, where Dave corrected me. Right? I was like, isn't it just a mug club fanship thing? And he's like, yes, but that's not what they say it is. Right. So I guess what, who, who wrote this letter? Josh, you said, Josh, yeah, yeah. it was Josh. Yeah. So Josh, Josh, you know, Josh, it sounds like, 
without a doubt, you have the benefit of a mug club and definitely have enjoyed the perks, especially as the costs of making beer have gone through the fucking roof in the last two years. Yeah, he doesn't seem upset so, about it. So if five percent off definitely would be a worthwhile benefit on your local t- pub. But we, I got think... one, we got one more follow-up. Okay. Go ahead. Requesting a third episode to discuss some other things about Brewdog. Um, this is from Ben M. He says, not sure if you want to do a third part of, uh, of the series, but I have a couple of questions I want to, I would be interested in hearing you talk about. Number one is the many, 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 many allegations by employees uh, especially any and all women who have ever met him against one of the brew dogs. Uh, number two is even shadier than equity for punks, equity for bin Laden killers, the super shady IPO thing from Armed Forces Brewing. I have no idea, what <laughs> about, but I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. I'm, I should have done some research before I read Justin. That, but, uh, Justin. <laughs> oh, Justin, you can't say equity for bin Laden killers and just have me end the show. So you take three <laughs> minutes. You take three minutes and do some Googling. And oh, I'll I know what this question. is. Wait, I know what this is. The, there's there's a brand. <sighs> I want to say it's in Virginia or one of the Carolinas um, that created a, a, a military branch beer and they hired the 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 sniper uh, from SEAL Team 6 who took out bin Laden as their pitch man. And there's this whole sort of like, hey, you know, every time you buy a beer, like you're supporting taking out bin Laden. And there is a there's a a blogger or a website, it wasn't Stars and Stripes, but it was some sort of military blog where the guy actually went and uh, wrote about this and like sort of the the ridiculousness of it in, in, in his terms, but then bought a six pack of it and drank it and gave his reviews in a very, um, you know, non beer uh, uh, parlance. And that was that was actually a lot of fun. So, Justin, I'll find that we can get that guy on the show because because oh, he oh was my, a lot of fun. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Did you just suggest we can get the guy that killed Bin Laden on the show? No, no, did you I, mean- no, no. I think the guy who wrote for not Stars and Stripes, but another military blog, I think we have a better <laughs> time. Although maybe if the if honestly, if the guy who killed Bin Laden is pitching beer, uh, he should come on the show. And I would think. Yeah, that'd be I mean, me. We're, but we're, I, we're, we're if, fairly if popular. The blogger, show. If you think the blogger had it well, I would like to talk to him as well. But so knowing nothing about this, I can't talk about it. But what I will say is it sounds to me from what John just described like this is a contract brewery with yes. a spokesperson. And that is a business model, right? Anytime oh, you yeah. think you can attach to an allegiance for anything in America, right? Like how many, you know, how many blah, blah, blah printed cell phone covers are made a year? Like, that's a business model. If you think these people will buy this for so, this reason, then you make it. That's all I see in that. So, yeah, guys, it's called. Uh, but did uh, they, they sell stock? Because he seems yeah, to yeah, yeah. like it. Yeah, it's the max offering is seven and a half million dollars. The minimum what? the minimum investment <laughs> is two hundred dollars. <laughs> You guys got to check out the Wait. website too, please. Yeah, the website. I'm, I'm, I just pulled it up. But the, the the article that I was talking about is on a website called Task and Purpose, and it's by a writer named James Clark. And okay. uh, yeah. Well, Justin, see is... if you can get any of these people on the show, and I'll do okay. a little research <laughs> and try to prepare. But but I don't care. Um, this is why ask... we need rehearsal, guys. 
Ben, you're not obliged to answer this, but do you have any information or any opinion on what'd you call it? Task and purpose ale? No, task and purpose is the website okay. where the guy wrote about okay. what is it called? Armed Forces Ale? Armed Forces so, Beer. D- ben, do you have any experience with Armed Forces beer that you can share an opinion on? Because I've never tasted no. it. All That's right. The then, we'll, <laughs> then as a courtesy to you, I will let you slide from filling in on this question and answer. Um But yeah, so for the first one, we kind of touched on it. And I think the nice part about that series of shows, and this is not me and my wonderful joy of hyperbole and ridiculousness or John and his trying to inform me. I think um, Infante did a great job of keeping us on things that were factual he had researched and not letting my, my, but wait, isn't it just this side you tried track. you tried I, really it's hard what i do dude it's the value i add i am a theorizer but he kept it to facts and when i touched on that because i was saying because the weird thing for me again and we never really answered it but i don't think Infante is capable of answering it is that weird real estate shell corporation carve out where he set himself up with a lifelong annuity that i think is bulletproof from both bankruptcy and sale of the company and that seems to me to be a defensive move and my question is why did anybody that understands money allow it and i think it's i believe it's to weather the threat of that kind of storm that being said we have talked about you know when when brewdog was accused of stealing the uh you know beer af shit from some you know, some submission from the marketing people. Yeah. From marketing, from some submission marketing group that they didn't get paid. Right. We talked about that along the way and we definitely handled the entire, you know, big, what I call, and I still need a better name to call this, but the brew two movement, we, he definitely was touched on in those episodes when we, when we talked about a little bit and, and yeah, but the purpose of what Dave was writing about was more on the financial side, as opposed to a lot of the misconduct that's been allegedly happening inside of their bars. But there is, I do want to point out that there is a group that's called uh, uh, punks with purpose, who is working hard to do um, uh, the work to highlight uh, what they say is the toxic culture inside of BrewDog. And they're on all the social medias and uh, they're the ones who have written a lot of impassioned letters. And so um, anybody who's looking for more information on that angle of it, uh, you can certainly get it through uh, this uh, 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 punks with purpose um, uh, social medias that are out there. See, John, that's the value you add to the show. Some truth, some availability, some knowledge, not some crazy ideas. Um, Ben, thank you so much for joining us, dude. And keep making those tasty beers. Like I said, they keep showing up on the show. We keep liking them. So keep that up. Um, do you need to promote anything? Should we should we do that before before Cass tells everybody they got to give us that sweet, sweet, sweet jingle? <laughs> you want me to promote myself quickly? If you want yes, to, please. yeah, that's that's a reason to come on a podcast. I don't want well, to short you that option. Me by drinking some of my beers and yeah. you know, hopefully liking them and speaking well of them. We have you know, so far. While, like you joke, like you said earlier in the show, that uh, I guess one of you guys perceived some um, diacetyl and cool. I shit. was John Hall. That was me. That was <laughs> yeah, listen, John Hall. Listen, listen. I'm gonna, formerly, fu- I'm gonna, I'm gonna fully own of- it. No, no, the New York Times. Uh, but yeah, you know, like 
you know, we haven't been brewing these lagers for that long. And so like some of our knowledge base we're working on, but we sometimes the yeast will be a little bit unpredictable. So we've added some things. We added a diacetyl rest of late. I don't know what batch you had or so, but you know, mm -hmm. that's all part of the process. And I'm, I'm just glad you guys, you guys are tasting our stuff and enjoying it. Well, thank oh, you. Thanks, man. Man. That's, that's, that's a nice that's note. Nice to end on. Cass, how the fuck are they more generous than I so deserved? That, yeah. How, 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 do they fund us so Kennedy can have beers next time we actually get close to getting it right? Well, first, I'm going to plug OEC because you all need to get there if you're in Connecticut. The beers are fantastic. I had the pleasure of going not too long ago, sometime five years ago. What about what about their what about their their can program, Cass? It wasn't there at the time. It wasn't there. Tony took Wait, all Cass, the place and it was Cass, not there. Cass, do you can this motherfucker's beer? No, we don't. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank line. God. Thank God. I'm so sick of you canning people. Yeah, guys, <laughs> guess yeah, you guys win. But yeah, Ben, thank you uh, for coming on. Big, big fan. I have some vintage bottles in, in the in the cellar here that we'll crack at our, our barbecue whenever we have it so the boys can have it too. But right yes, thanks to the Patreons. We appreciate you donating those dollars. They do go a long way to, to help us drink these wonderful beers and, and share them with our guests like Ben. So, you know, if you don't donate to us, you can do that at patreon.com slash steal this beer. Follow us on all social medias at steal this beer and see what we're drinking on untapped. And then yes, write us those love letters and hate mail, steal this beer podcast at gmail.com. Listen, yeah, for every uh, new Patreon who comes on, we're going to divert some of the funds so that Justin can go out and buy us some special hops India Pale Ale from Armed Forces Brewing Company, which is described as a straightforward, balanced IPA that refreshes, pairs well with food, and calls you back for more. Special <laughs> Hops IPA is a blend of Azaka, Centennial, and Simcoe with flavors of citrus, peach, and mango. Uh, and they close out by saying it has a solid malt backbone without caramel malt that lets the hops shine through. Wow, John, you're really promoting this. Uh, <laughs> That's not what this guy says. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that that is definitely not what uh what James Clark of Task and Purpose Aww. is writing. So uh Looks like a Justin, let's get him on the beer. show. Okay. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. Uh awesome. Thank you. Get at us. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.